Hello, and welcome to the show Gold Squadron Gays. It's the podcast where two Star Wars-loving gays break down each episode of their favorite Star Wars TV shows, while also being gay as hell. I'm your host, Bradley Brower. I'm your other host, Charles Rogers, and Gold Squadron Gays is staying on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok for the time being. <laughs> throw that out there. We are not paid to social media manage, so we're going to stay oh on those three platforms because I can handle Twitter, Bradley can handle Instagram, and our TikToks are technically on hiatus. I have one more from The Mandalorian for that's taking a really long time to animate. Yeah, I was going to say, if we try to add any more social media, I'm like, we're going to have to hire a social media intern because I can't do YouTube and Instagram and Facebook, Twitter, Red. We don't have a Facebook. We don't have we a don't, Facebook. We don't have a Facebook, nor a Grinder. We don't have anything, unfortunately. <laughs> Although that would be an interesting marketing tactic. I might, I we, might, would, we might look into that. Look, but I'm, anyway. I'm just saying, I'm just saying <laughs> I might get more attention on a Gold Squadron profile than I get on my actual profile. You know what I mean? Like that might be a thing to interact with people. Like it'd be like, a, hey, here's a great way to come see us. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, well, I mean, Jordan's art of me is prettier than I actually am. So you're just going to so use that as a profile picture? That's what I'll it. use. That's my excuse for using I that like as a it. profile picture. Is, no, like this it. is my official account. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, we're, we're staying on those three. We're not threaders. I haven't even gotten a Blue Sky invitation. I've put out multiple tweets. It's like, gosh, it would be great if somebody gave me a Blue Sky invitation. No one has given me one. Uh, and I, I don't like hot. I haven't opened up Hive since basically since the first week I downloaded it. So I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what pulling his face. So Bradley's anyway. pulling this face over in the other window where he's got like one eyebrow quirk up and this kind of dumbfounded look on his face. <laughs> it's it's beautiful. Before we dive into tattooing Rhapsody, which is what we are covering today, I do have two uh, things to to address right up top. Uh, firstly, I do have to issue an apology. I did not have time to record a little stinger for last week's episode, but I did say something on Twitter and I'm saying it again here. Uh, we recorded our episode on the duel with Bonus Ronin on Sunday of last week, uh, two weeks ago. Time, whatever. The point is we recorded it on a Sunday. Literally the next day, like 24 hours after we recorded almost to the hour, our friends over at Fulcrum Transmissions dropped an episode with editor Tom, the guy who edited the Ronin novel. And it is absolutely stunning how well the <laughs> These episodes complement each other. Like I was listening <laughs> to the Fulcrum Transmissions episode. I was like, that we talked about that. We talked about that. We talked about that. And here's Tom giving us the answer. Like he, he actually explained where the voice came from, whose idea the voice was, which was a question that Bradley had. So there I am highly recommending that if you liked our last episode on the duel slash Ronin, go over to Fulcrum Transmissions and check out uh, what at time of recording this is their latest episode uh, about the Ronin with Tom to get a lot of insight into the process of creating this book and also different perspectives on this book. So I highly, highly recommend that. The second thing I have to address, we got some feedback on our last episode. Uh-huh. And because of the nature of this feedback, Bradley and I have decided to commemorate a special section up front <laughs> to it. Uh, I would like to welcome you to a section called A New Hope. This is the section where Hope Mullinex from J Guys and Jedi sends me feedback and I read some of it on the show. No pressure 
pressure to hope uh, to send us feedback every time, but she sent me an essay on the last <laughs> one. And I do want to read some of her thoughts out. Yes, please. Uh, because I, I think they're worth addressing. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I am going to read some parts. So <clears throat> the duel is the perfect icebreaker when it comes to visions. When most casual people think of anime and Japan, they probably first think of Sailor Moon, Godzilla, Gundam, and Samurai. Opening with a samurai story is a nice way to ease a casual fan into this anime version of Star Wars. The behind-the-scenes featurette really confirmed a lot of my feelings about the duel, which has grown on me over time. While not my favorite, it feels like a full-circle piece of media. Kurosawa was such an inspiration for George Lucas, and the creators of the duel discuss this in the featurette. It's like Star Wars coming home and getting into its roots, which is really fantastic. Then she describes the little droid as like Chopper's cousin, expresses disappointment that I didn't mention there's a whole scene of the Ronin naked in a hot spring in the um, comic, which, sorry about that, that's me, uh, points out that the Ronin novel does contain the first explicit trans Star Wars character, uh, two of them, actually, uh, and also I believe the first mention of hormone, like explicit mention of hormones in Star Wars, which is pretty cool. Hmm. And then, I didn't know this, uh, she goes on to say that there's actually other manga adaptation adaptations for Visions, and I'm going to have to look some of those up. So thank you, Hope, for that feedback. I wanted to share at least some of it on the show before we dive into Hope's favorite, which is Tatooine Rhapsody. Wait, that wasn't her favorite? All those notes and that wasn't her that, favorite? The, the duel was not her favorite. Oh <laughs> That's why God. I made this a section, Bradley. <laughs> right, 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 uh, right. Because I know she's going to have thoughts on our coverage of Tatooine Rhapsody. Okay, oh, great. Okay, well, I can't <laughs> wait for that. <laughs> so thank you, Hope, for that feedback. And we are going to dive straight into Tatooine Rhapsody. Bradley, I am turning it over to you because I don't do shit on our <laughs> episodes. <laughs> I do whatever the fuck I want. Yes, as Charles said, we're talking about Star Wars Vision Season 1, episode titled Tatooine Rhapsody, where a band with big dreams must save one of their own from Jabba the Hutt and Boba Fett. Charles, I'm changing our format slightly because I feel like it's appropriate. You did not warn me about this in the pre-meeting, I did not. You so didn't tell me we were switching. If you pull some like and didn't like bullshit on me, I'm, I'm I am hopping doing... on a flight. I'm not doing like and didn't like. I'm just going to okay. say, we'll just do a quick, like, give me your best, like, overall, just quick thoughts. Just a, what did, what did it make you feel like watching this episode? What did you, what, what was it about it? Uh, it made me feel happy in my soul and like I was nine years old and watching Digimon on the TV again. Good. See, just like a quick little blip about the episode, there, how you there feel you go. about it. That's there all I wanted, go. you know? There's. Th yeah. that's all you wanted yeah because you know i wanted to get like a mood from you first like what your thoughts about it kind of were before we started because i feel like with last okay, time episodes I over. we can go right. home well i kind of regretted last time because i kind of feel like we just kind of started talking about it and i didn't really get a sense of like did you even like it or was it like something you know what i mean so i kind of wanted to for the audience at least be like hey do we like this episode do we not like this episode or was it just okay so i want to kind of like this episode did you like this episode Brent? i did i i did like this episode i thought it was cute um it's definitely tonally like a shift so i feel like whereas the first episode kind of was like a bam like here's like a real like kind of you know anime kind of thing this is kind of more on the opposite spectrum of anime which is kind of like more of the studio ghibli or like the 
cutesy anime like pokemon digimon kind of stuff like put a pin put a pin in what you just said put a pin in specifically pokemon and digimon uh because i do want to bring that up when we're talking about the animation style and my impressions of it Ooh, okay just great pin pin goes in there we're gonna bring that up all righty well then let's get into some of like kind of the stats of the episode so it was directed by taku kimura written by yasumi tarashi that's my decent, best guess. Decent enough job. Shout out to okay. those people. And then this one, I wanted to add a section um, because this one has music in it. So the music was written by someone named Yoshi Akadiwa. And the song is called Galactic Dreamer. Just thought I'd throw that in there. Really? Yes, because I wanted really? to. I mean, this was a more musical inclined episode i guess so i wanted to you know give the writer of the song some credit so um let's that talk about damn the damn song which has been stuck in my head all day but yes let's talk about the studio bradley studio studio colorido is what it's called they are of course japanese animation based studio uh it says it's a subsidiary of another studio called twin engine so i didn't look up twin engine but studio colorido was the studio that makes this episode so there you go. so i did my own research into studio uh colorido Okay. Uh, Studio Colorido specifically generally is is credited with making films and short films. Uh, their Wikipedia page, which is the most succinct summary of what they're best known for, just lists films and short films, as well as some original net animation, uh, including Pokemon, Twilight Wings, and Pokétune. Which However, I have seen all of those. So actually, I when I saw that on here, I was like, oh, that's interesting, because I've literally watched all of those. And so... It, it feels insane. Like, it feels like I'm going insane that Bradley... We're in an era where Bradley has seen something and has a point of reference <laughs> I don't have. Right. Yeah, those were the only things I knew from their um, catalog. I I knew nothing else. Um, and for those of you who don't know, uh, Pokemon Twilight Wings was just like a web series that they did that was based off the Sword and Shield era of Pokemon. So it was like quick little mini anime episodes. They weren't like part of the main series, uh, but they were like cute, really high quality little short films essentially uh, or net animation i guess is what it's credited as but they were really good i liked them however if you go over to anime news network which is what i'm always checking after after the yes, dual course. episode because anime news network will list not only things that they made but will list everything they've been involved in so a lot of times you have the main animation group doing a thing but then other groups will be brought in to do additional work on it and studio colorido doesn't have a lot of direct credits but oh boy have they worked on a lot of stuff okay. uh, if you've watched an anime they were probably involved in it they have done in between it's mainly in between animation and second key animation from what i'm looking at or key animation but they've worked on things like attack on titan uh they've worked on a code geass ova they've worked on a demon slayer they've worked on uh, the tv adaptation of erased they've worked on the 2019 fruits basket i'm just going down the list here they worked on haikyuu they worked on loop in the third part six so much stuff so much stuff uh and they have also worked on in addition to pokemon twilight wings they did the in-between animation for pokemon evolutions does that one ring a bell, Bradley? Yeah. So that is a, an, again, it's like a, not a 
I don't want to say like a short, it's not like a mini series or anything like that, but it is a, it's a collection of shorter animations are like five or six minutes long. They're like kind of web series kind of things. They're just kind of inter- more interesting. I think they're more interesting than the main Pokemon anime, but they're, uh, they're pretty good. Yeah. So it looks like their thing is that they're, they're kind of like a support studio gotcha. that they generally will do additional animation work for all of these major lights they also worked on sword Art online my enemy but that's fine i will forgive them for that well let's get into the cast because or should i say the band because oh fuck off <laughs> this episode fuck off a a lot of people in it actually um i was surprised going through the list and normally i would try to limit us to you know one or two people but unfortunately i feel like a lot of people need mentioning and i have five um okay which are basically just the whole band um and then of course boba fett but other than that i i thought well let me get boba fett out of the way because that's an easy one uh yeah. tomorrow morrison does reprise his role uh as a uh, Boba Fett invoice. So I thought that was obviously worth mentioning, but we don't really need to like go super into that. But there you go. Tomorrow Morrison's back. Love that. That's kind of fun. Then we'll go down the list of main characters. Uh, so we have our first main character, which is or actually the focus of the short. His name is Jay. He is a ex Jedi slash Padawan. He is voiced by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and we know him from movies such as Inception, 500 Days of Summer, Looper. But this is not his first foray into Star Wars. He is I will feign. I will feign ignorance of this knowledge. Tell us, Bradley. Okay. uh, Where has he appeared in before? He has appeared. uh, He is credited as the voice of a character in Charles's favorite Star Wars film, The Last Jedi. Uh, he plays a character called Slowen Low. Uh, Low is an alien character who saw Finn and Rose illegally land their ship on the Canto Bight beach. So, so he's the he's the guy that comes in with the guards and's like, right. "Yep, that's Liam. That's yep. the shuttle Parkers. <laughs> that guy. That guy's Joseph Gordon Lovett. It's because uh, Ryan Johnson, who who wrote and directed the movie, always puts Jordan Joseph Gordon Lovett in his movies when he can. Uh, I did not if, know that. If yeah. there's a chance for him to put Joseph Gordon Lovett in a movie, he's gonna do it. Um, cool. So he's he gave him that tiny little bit part in Last Jedi. Gotcha. I, I just thought that was a fun fact. Like, oh, this. This is not his first thing in Star Wars. Next up, we have another amazingly famous person. Bobby Moynihan plays Geezer. He's the like kind of mini uh, hut character. Uh, his name is Geezer. Uh, Bobby Moynihan, most famous for SNL, but he's done a bunch of animation voices, including the bane of my existence, Star Wars Resistance, where he does the character of Orca. Oh, <laughs> you, oh, hush. Oh, hush. You like that. We will get we will get you to watch that second season, Bradley. <laughs> We'll see. But you are wrong. Thought... You are wrong about resistance, and I will prove it to you. <laughs> so he does that, which that's I just thought that was funny because that's also another Star Wars veteran, essentially. Fun relevant fact for our show specifically is while not acknowledged on screen or by Lucasfilm in an official capacity for reasons, the character Orca is one of the first, at least written as being gay characters in Star Wars. So that's neat. Moving on to another Star Wars alum, the character of Lan, who's that really cool kind of three-bodied red alien thing, uh, is voiced by Mark Thompson. Now, some people may not know who Mark Thompson is because they don't know what audiobooks are. 
I do know what audiobooks are now, so I know who Mark Thompson is. And Mark Thompson is the voice of literally every single Star Wars book that ever existed, basically, uh, or at least the good ones, because he is just so good at doing fucking Thrawn and doing all kinds of other voices, and he's just so great. Um, he also, funny enough, I looked at his credits, the only other thing I know him for is doing the voice or additional voices on basically every Pokemon episode ever. And his list of characters he's done on Pokemon is so vast, I cannot name them all because half of them are at least 500 of the Pokemon that exist. <laughs> so Mark Thompson basically like has a death grip on Bradley's life. <laughs> he really is, does. Is the vibe we're getting from this. Um, yeah, Mark Thompson is one of the main people that does Star Wars audiobooks. Uh, he does the Thrawn novels. He does the Thrawn Ascendancy novels. He does the mainline High Republic books books so the adult books uh right. other people do the other books uh there's many good star wars vo's but mark thompson is probably the one you know because right. if you've listened to an audiobook chances are good it's high republic or thrawn and he did both of those He's really prolific. Uh, I have actually watched him voice act in person, and it is stunningly good. Um, and moving on to our last character, voicing the robot droid, whatever we're going to use, K344 is the character's name. Uh, is voiced by Shelby Young. Charles, we will... know Shelby Young. <laughs> Charles will definitely We've heard know this her person. Voice before. <laughs> um, I saw that. I was like, I looked at the list of all of her credits, and I was like, Hmm, what has she done? Oh, it looks like she's done Bad Batch. Oh, she's done all this stuff. Oh, she's done basically Leia and every single Lego thing ever. So I was like, Okay, great. This is <laughs> this is why Charles will know who this is. She's but... their go-to Leia, and she's appeared in Bad Batch. She's appeared. We have literally just covered her in Bad Batch. Because she right. kept popping up in the last season of Bad Batch. They yeah. got her in the booth to record some character. And then they were like, hey, we got about five more one-off lines. Yeah. Can you read these while you're here? <laughs> Just do them in slightly different ways. Um, so yeah, that's our that's our band. That's our band. Plus Tamara Morrison. <laughs> right. Plus Tamara Morrison. I uh, was gobsmacked to see Mark Thompson on here. Because yeah. I was like, I pulled up. Because Bradley's been doing all the legwork for the off episodes. So I pulled up. I just... I watched through the episode and then I got to the castles. I was like, okay, good. Joseph couldn't love it. I know that one. Bobby Moynihan. I know that Mark fucking Thompson is here. What? That's so cool. And it was weird. Cause I glossed over his name too. when I was going through the thing. Cause I didn't think it was the same Mark Thompson. His name's not super like, you know, it's like, it's a normal name. It's not like a weird, I just you haven't like, listened to fallen star as many times as I have. Right. So I, I knew I recognized the name, but I wasn't like, Oh, this is the same guy who does the audio books because if you go on like imdb it's not going to show you that and so i saw that it was he did all the voices for pokemon and stuff and i was like oh that's kind of cool i i like that like you know and then i did a little extra research because you know i'm that's how good i am at this show and i was like oh shit uh i'm glad i checked like the wikipedia and everything because otherwise it was not going to tell me that he had done all the audio voices and i was like well, well, shit. i even sent you a message last night i was like hey there's one thing i really want to bring up about the oh never mind you've listened to Thrawn you know who Mark yeah. Thompson is but I'm glad you did send me that because otherwise I mean I I did double check but like if, if you had not also sent me that I probably would have forgotten and I would have been like because I didn't put in my notes originally and then I added it in my notes because I was like oh fuck this is like a big Star Wars person we need to talk about this yes I'm I'm always keeping an eye out for these things this may shock our audience but Bradley and I do talk 
quite a bit outside of recording these episodes. Uh, so I was able to also nudge him in the direction of making sure he double-checked Mark Thompson. Yeah, this is also, for disclosure, this is my first time watching this with the English cast. I watched them in Japanese the first time I watched this. Oh, this so is yeah, actually, you would have never even this known. Is, even I would have never even known that, even if, yeah, because I didn't, I didn't watch these in English originally. Which, speaking of things and songs in English, Bradley, you want to move on to the next section? <laughs> okay. Which may or may not be about the uh, garage band indie rock song. Oh, we can talk it's, about the song. It's probably not. It's about the animation, I think. Is what's uh, yeah, I was going to go into the animation, but if you want to talk about the song. Let's go into the animation. We'll, okay. we'll put another pen. I keep like a thing of pens on my desk now to gotcha. just pop into things to we'll address that later. We'll address that later. We'll address that later. No worries. Um, but yeah, yeah, let's talk about the animation. So like we kind of said in the beginning, this is kind of more of a, I don't want to say kid friendly style, but it's definitely more colorful. Hence the name of the studio, which is literally like colorful in Spanish, I think, or uh, I think it's in Portuguese. I think that's what it says on their website. I don't want to get that wrong, but the colorido in the studio's name translates to rich in color or colorful in Portuguese and Spanish. Okay, you were doubly so I, right. I was doubly right. I love that. Anyway, moving on. So yeah, I really like the animation. I think it's really fun. It is colorful. Uh, and I like this style because this is more of the style. Like I've seen the Pokemon shorts before. I've seen like, you know, this this animation style is just like a cutesier Studio Ghibli kind of a thing, which I find sometimes I find uh, anime to be very harsh looking or too stylized sometimes. And I feel like if you want to get people like uh, are a, more of a mass audience to watch this. I feel like this is kind of more of the style you need to go for because I think it's a little bit more accessible. It's kind of in that realm of, uh, did, did you ever see Ponyo? Uh, I did. Yeah, it's like that kind of like more that. cutesy style anime. It's I mean, that one's a little more stylized, so I don't want to use that one as like a super example, but I feel like this is like a very almost like a, not a video game style, but I know they just they just put a movie. This studio actually just put a movie on Netflix. Um, I think it's called Drifting Home. Um, if people want to go on Netflix and watch it, it's uh, I haven't watched it yet, but it's their uh, it's like one of their movies that they've actually released and it's very like very same same styles it's very good colorful very cute styles so i feel like that's what they wanted to go for yeah my my impression watching and remember i i put a pin on what you said about pokemon and digimon at the top of the episode i'm gonna pull that pin back out now my thought as i was watching it was oh if you had asked me at age eight to describe an anime to you this is the anime that i would have described because it was exactly like not necessarily like a direct like one for one like this is exactly what anime that i watched as a kid looked like but it it was a combination of those same styles and knowing that studio colorito has contributed to a lot of different shonen shows over the years i look at it and I go okay yeah this is something i could very easily imagine being on four kids uh yeah. or being been done by four kids or right. having been on like Cartoon Network or something during like the, yeah, around the early to mid 2000s. And I was like, okay, the duel was great. The duel was a great opener. It was absolutely perfect. If you'd asked me to describe Star Wars anime, this is what I would have come up with. It's this bright, colorful, very exaggerated characters as well. Yep. Like the models that they're using are very much like characters you would see in a traditional anime or a traditional anime that's meant for tv and screened 
you know, for kids like Pokemon, Digimon, any of these other different shows. I was going to say One Piece, but One Piece is not for children. Yeah, it's super not for kids. A little too harsh, but um... (laughs) Uh, super not for kids. That one. Uh, But this one is deliberately invoking that same style. Uh, I agree. And it's it's interesting to compare it up to my personal favorite anime of all time, Monster, which is on Netflix currently, uh, and I'm watching through with my boyfriend. But it's interesting to compare it to that one because that one is like really rough. Like that one aired on sci-fi. So that one was intended to be like a semi-realistic kind of exaggerated thing. Whereas this one I, I went over and watched and I was like, oh, okay, that's an anime. That's what anime looks like to me. Well, because I, and like I've said before, I do not watch anime. I do not watch all those things. And to me, there's two different types of anime in my brain. And my, my one brain says there's like adult, I'll call it adult anime, where it's for, it's made for adults. So I think of like Naruto or something in that realm of like, you think of Naruto as an adult anime? Yeah, because it's like violent and there's usually blood and boobs and all kinds of weird stuff. Like it's very adult, right? I was, I I was going to use, I was going to use monster as my example, but yeah, I'm talking about something that I've actually heard of and not an anime because (laughs) I'm going to keep bringing this up. Um, Bradley. (laughs) But then I think I'm not going to stop. I think of that because like adult style. And then I think of like kid style, which is like Digimon, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, that kind of, you know, whatever is very super accessible, like Americanized anime i would call it honestly because even though it's not i mean obviously it's still made in japan but it's like very accessible to americans because it's for kids so it's very like in that that realm and i feel like this one kind of leans more towards the accessible less than the like kind of more adult style animes which are more like yeah the dual. i think i'm i'm no anime historian but my recollection of of shows when they were coming out in the 2000s, which this is very much like leaning on that Pokemon kind of export anime, uh, that you're pretty on the money with the two types of shows that you could watch. Uh, you could either watch something that maybe was on Adult Swim or Sci-Fi, uh, you know, something right. like your like Death Tsunami Notes. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like something you'd watch on Toonami. So something like your Death Notes that maybe you wouldn't like show your kids. Right. And then you'd also have another type of one that was exported that was, yeah, that Pokemon one that you would get a terrible English dub and they would change half the things around. Right. And it was basically, it, here's this thing that's pre-animated we bought the rights for we're gonna get an english cast slap something on there and go and for a lot of people one of these two things was their first exposure if you're an american growing up in the 2000s one of these two things is your first exposure to the concept of anime like that leads you into this gateway down and before you know it you've watched a whole bunch of them right uh but i i think that wasn't me (laughs) Yeah, this one definitely feels more like the one that would be like, and I don't mean to say any of this is a criticism, right? I I mean to say this all as like, this is doing a really good job of invoking that because as I mentioned at the top of the show, I felt a lot like what I did when I watched Digimon when I was a kid. It's fun. It's colorful. It's got those fun, exaggerated characters. Yeah, the plot is kind of high stakes, but also, you know, they're going to solve the problem with like a garage band battle thing. It, it It's not taking itself too 
you seriously. It's fun. You put it on and 15 minutes later, you feel good about yourself. Right. There wasn't um, like a dark ending where you were like, oh, this is depressing or anything. <laughs> it was like, oh, this is fun and cute and whatever. Yeah. Like they're going to be a band now. And that's great. It's it is it is very like, yeah, Shonen show that was exported to the U.S. and dubbed by four kids in that way. Uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! was another one, which um, that one's complicated. The American export of that was intended for children. Let's put it that way. But it's another yeah. one like that. To the, where I don't want to get like, too much into that one because that one, I feel like that one was a little, I think because of the, the, the way that the creatures were drawn and stuff was a little too scary for kids at, to an extent, or it's a little too, like some of the characters a little sexualized, you know, and it just depends on which ones they a were. A little. Um, so I feel like See, that one's unedited like, versions. I was gonna say that one's pushing the limits on if it's a kid's <laughs> show or not. That one's kind of I'm running out of realm. examples, Bradley. I can't okay. just keep saying Pokemon, right? right? I don't have that much of a stable of anime to work <laughs> with here. Like, I am right. not my boyfriend who, once again, this entire series is an extended apology to for botching <laughs> the first one. And he forced me to watch, uh, what are we doing? Are we doing the twins next week? Oh my god, I don't even know. I don't know the order. I just whenever we get to whenever we get to the twins, I will have a lot more to say about the twins. Mm. Uh, mostly because he sat me down pretty much at gunpoint and forced me to watch That's some so other funny. shows. Because <laughs> he was like, "Your opinion was garbage. I'm going to educate you." Oh no! So he made me watch uh, a, a bunch of shows. But I liked I liked the animation a lot. It was good. Let's go into a little bit of the story because I thought that we didn't go too hard into the story last time because we talked so much about the book and stuff. But um, in this one, I want to talk about the story because they do something really, really interesting in this one, which was they introduced the idea in the beginning of Order 66. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck. Well, this is going to be an Order 66 story. Well, this is interesting. And then they kind of turned that on its head, which I well, thought was interesting. You just know, you just know that somewhere deep in the bowels of Lucasfilm, the like Dave Filoni that they have strapped up to the Emperor Palpatine arm from Rise of Skywalker, you know, that you we they wheel from project to project. That was a reference to one of our first ever semi-viral TikToks. Uh, you just know somewhere in the bowels of Lucasfilm, Dave Filoni's like, I sense a disturbance in the force. Someone who isn't me is animating Order 66. Uh. <laughs> anyway, I thought that was interesting, but the reason why I brought it up, and I want to tell you why. So okay. for two reasons. One is it's a compelling, interesting story of, oh, here's a Padawan or whatever who escaped. And then when they escaped, they did something else with their life. Right. And that was, in this case, start a band. <laughs> they formed but a garage band. They formed a garage band. Um, the other thing is the timeline of this. I know that none of these are canonical and they don't have anything to do with the actual story. But this is interesting. Right. So he's a Padawan in uh, our main character. Um, Jay is a. Uh, He's a Padawan who's escaping Order 66, essentially. And then he joins this band. And then a couple years later, one of his bandmates is being pursued by Boba Fett. And then it's like, Boba Fett is working for Jabba. But like, how many years later is this? He's not that much older. Like, or at least animation-wise, it doesn't seem visually like he's that much older. So this is like, I don't know. And then Boba Fett's supposed to be like a kid during, or a teenager maybe during Order 66. 
So it's kind of like, I don't know. I, timeline wise, I was kind of like, this is weird. It seemed like it was happening during Return of the Jedi. And I was like, wait, that doesn't make sense because that's way too many years later. So I just didn't really quite understand the timeline of this story. But I was just thinking too much into it. See, you know the problem with our Visions coverage? Bradley, you know, the problem is not only have you taken over all of the research duties, you've <laughs> taken over all of my pedantic bullshit nitpicking. <laughs> because that that was not a monologue that I nor I think our audience expected to hear from you. <laughs> that sounded like it should have come from me. And that's not a compliment. <laughs> And there's nothing wrong with that I, because I know that it's not canonical. So like, it doesn't bother me that much. I just thought it was interesting because I like it clearly like about three or four years later. Uh, right. Clearly enough time has passed that Boba Fett is an adult. But if this kid's like 13, 14 yeah. during the Order 66 thing, and maybe he's like 17, 17 or 18 and just drawn with a really youthful style, because again, this is emulating the style right. of like Pokemon and those other shows and sometimes they'll draw people who are supposed to be like 17 or 18 is younger than they actually are but yeah I'd, I'd say probably three or four years have passed maybe anyway, I just I thought I would point that out because I thought that was very interesting this one could fit like the thing about this one there's some that they were like we took the Star Wars brand essentially right and we've just decided to do something us with it and then there's some that like they could fit like this one the Village Bride, and uh, I was going to say the Twins, since it's explicitly no. set post-Rise of Skywalker, but then I no. remembered the plot of the Twins. Yeah, no, definitely not. But like, um. <laughs> uh, or, or, um, what was the, 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 uh, shit, the Elder? I think is the one with Dan and Tajin. Let me pull up Hope's feedback because she mentioned it by name. The Elder. The Elder is another one that could very easily fit like in Star Wars. Hmm. I mean, line. well, this, this one, one because it explicitly has characters. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it really does. And I thought that and it said so it's not only is it with Boba Fett and Jabba and Bib Fortuna and fucking on tattooing, like all that stuff, like it makes it it ties itself so intrinsically, actually, to Star Wars that I thought it was an interesting choice because this well, if you if we're going in order of watch, if you just watch them in order, this is the first one where we see them use actual characters from Star Wars. And that is is risky honestly because i think especially if you use characters like boba fett <laughs> you're like uh, almost risking the audience going well that didn't happen and that's not canon and blah 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 and it's like well yeah we know that they're not canon but it's fine like that's not the whole point of this show but i do think I it was, is risky i'll say i was a little down on this initially because you know started out with the duel and this has the unfortunate problem of being the second one so you watch the duel and you kind of get into the duel and you haven't yet trained your brain that these are not linear episodes yet right that you're going to be watching a different short film every 20 minutes so when you watch the duel for the first time and you watch this for the first time it's very much a mood whiplash it is yep. extremely a mood whiplash it's like me and my boyfriend going from watching monster to watching konosuba a magical explosion on this wonderful world yes that is the full title of the show and also the show is fine but it's like 
like us going between those two and you're like, okay, my brain does not have time to adjust to this. Like, so by the time you get to like episode four or five, now you're like, okay, I've gotten in the groove of this is going to be a different show every time. I'm kind of feeling this. I'm two beers in. Like, let's do this. So I think this one, especially on my first viewing, got kind of a short shaft. Yeah. Since I put a week between watching The Duel and watching this, and I just pulled this up on my computer last night, it took me 15 minutes. I watched the whole thing right before bed. I was like, damn, I feel great after watching this. This was fun. It, it benefits most people to watch these shorts or all, all of Visions really separately. Like do not watch them back to back to back to back to back. I think it does benefit to take a pause and like walk away and do something and then come watch another one or something like that. Or just watch one a day and, you know, and spread them out because it definitely does. It's a mood change. You don't want to go from the darkness of the duel and then go to the lightheartedness of this one. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, I see what they were doing doing when they because you can tell especially from the placement of some of these episodes like how they they did it i think they start on a kind of darker one and they end on a darker one but they kind of like fluctuate in the middle a little bit with some of these but i don't know i i thought it was an interesting just going from one kind of darker story to a lighter story like and i see kind of like the logic of how they've ordered these uh, but I will say, unfortunately, my my first time watching this, I was a little more down on it. This time, I've I I appreciated it a lot more. I enjoyed it a lot more. I was much more into. I was more into the music the second time around. The first time around, I was like, "What the fuck is this?" Yeah, because this is like the well, I don't want to say this is the what first the time we've had music in this? Star Wars, but this is the first time. Yeah, we've this had... is the first time we've ever had music in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna say that, but this is. It feels more like this is the first time music was a deliberate plot line of a Star Wars where it's like yes. this is like a part of the story and Jedi Rocks doesn't really count because that was just like in it but like I don't it wasn't even really in the movie originally right. it was in the right. special edition forward exactly. and we're now so just that doesn't necessarily with it count. forever so that's why this one's interesting and I thought that was great we have a little musical number in Star Wars that's another thing that's never a bad thing I guess well and also the first time I watched this I expected like this beautiful pop polished like oh this is so like you clearly recorded it in a studio with people who know what they're doing and then we got the song and i'm like what in the fucking teenage garage band bullshit is this and this time i watched it and i'm like i mean this is teenage garage band bullshit yeah that's the point that's the point yeah that's the point of it yeah because i thought you're right i thought it was supposed to be like oh they were gonna go record this in a studio somewhere and like officially make like a song and da, da, da. And I was like, Oh, wait a minute. Why would they do that? It's supposed to be a rock and roll band where he just kind of like is singing this off the cuff. Like he's not prepared kind of thing. Yeah. Like it's clearly like one of their songs that they just, they have memorized and like they have a garage band and they get together every second yeah. Tuesday and they jam out for like two hours uh, until one of their moms comes out and yells at them to pack it up. Uh, it's getting dark and the neighbors are going to call the cops again if you don't stop this immediately. Um, uh, I say I this gotta... as someone who was in one of those type of garage bands when he was a teenager. Yeah. It very much is that feeling. I like it. I can I can just imagine that you've got kids. I, when they showed the kids on Tatooine looking at like the, the footage or whatever from the Potteries, I can imagine them being like, oh yeah, I'm going to go follow them now on like Facebook or whatever, Instagram <laughs> and listen and listen to the, listen oh, to the band. God. 
yeah, now go buy their go on their website, buy their t-shirts and stuff. And then you got kids walking around on Tatooine with the 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 band name on their um t-shirt, which by the way, I have that fact. Uh the band is called Star Weep. Yes, they uh, mentioned it in the show. Yeah, yeah. So that's the name of the band. So not I just thought not that would be funny. Star Waver uploading to fucking space soundcloud. There you Let's go. Download our space EP off of space <laughs> iTunes. <laughs> and you know Java streaming Spotify. it too. Because Java liked it because you could saw his little tail was his flapping. Tail so flipping. he was like, he probably went on Spotify right after and downloaded it. Yeah, we did see the Bunta Eve uh arena. And one also thing that was really interesting too was the occasional little bit of CGI in this. Like yes. something I noticed on my second roll around, because like the Bunta Eve Stadium, when they it, do that the way it zoomed in. The way it sweeps around, and I think it's the same shot as uh Phantom Menace, the way it comes down and around. I have to go back and look at that. I, I didn't compare it because I just thought of it right now. Uh, mm. And I do not come to these podcast recording sessions prepared when we are not actively covering a show and I don't have to do a fuck ton of research. But I do think that is the same shot that it comes around and reveals the stady- the like Bunta Eve uh, starting line. I'm going to have to look that up and see if it's similar. I'm going to have to rewatch the scene from Phantom Menace and just kind of try to compare also, a little bit. one thing I thought was really interesting in this is how many weird aliens they had in it. They had some w- new designs. Yeah, some weird I think they stuff. had a couple of new designs in the background, but I also clocked some of the like classic designs. Like one of the, the executioners at the end is a Clatoonian. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of aliens in the crowd that are recognizable. Right. Like, I didn't really like that as well, that, that they had those background details that they they put a lot of care and love into those background details. And you can tell that the, the people who designed this and directed it really like Star Wars because they were like, yeah, let's put a Clatoonian. Who's going to say let's put a Clatoonian in there? Somebody who has watched a lot of Return of the Jedi is going to put a Clatoonian yeah, in Yeah, all the skiff guards squad. and stuff. And I, yeah, I was like, oh, those are all the same thing. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that's cool. And then, yeah, uh, yeah there's even Gamorreans too at one point. And I was like, oh, yep. yeah, you can see all of them. Um, actually, what's funny is what I one thing I've taken away from Visions is that I feel like some of the character designs I want them to use in some of the more canonical or live action stuff now because like the character of uh, Lan, Mark Thompson's character, uh, his design is so weird and interesting. It's like the three bodies on the one person. Like I was like, how why this doesn't make sense in terms of like why would his species evolve like that but i love the fact that he's like triplet but like all attached to each other and all facing different directions it doesn't make any sense but i love it we'll we'll get to it when we get to the ninth jedi um but we do actually have uh a design that originated from origins in for light and Dite. in origins Ooh. why did i say in origins like it's fucking dragon age we had a design that originated in visions actually in for light and dice one of the the main player characters is a droid from the ninth jedi and we'll get to them when we get to them in the ninth jedi well not to go on too long in this episode but i want to ask you as we kind of wrap this up what are you thinking about tatooine rhapsody do you think this could where could we see this again somewhere could we see this again and how would i want yeah how would you want to see it uh i wanted i want an ep you you want want a musical i want this continued as an ep i don't want it continued in a visual form you i want, want it continued form. as an ep or an album i would like to i would like to be able to pop in a star waiver track 
uh, when I'm feeling like Star Wars, instead of having to resort to uh, Christmas in the Stars. Gotcha. You just want to listen to, uh, what was I said? Galactic Dreamer. That's what I just want to listen. listen to. I want to listen to Galactic Dreamer in the car. Okay. But that's, that's I like how it. I would continue it is I would You want not, the studio version. I want the Galactic studio Dreamer. version of Galactic Dreamer. Yeah. I, I want to like hear, I want to hear their album. I think their story is pretty much concluded by the end of it. Yeah. But the potential of like a Star Wars indie rock band is really interesting to me. I like that. Um, you know what? I'm going to agree with you. Uh, I mean, uh, that the story is concluded. I don't think they need to make any more shorts or books or anything about this group of characters. I think that the story is told they're just going to be a band forever and Jabba is going to endorse them. And then they're just going to get rich and famous across the galaxy. Uh, so Before I love the that Inquisitors show up. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 and kill them. Um, I love that story for them. Um, however, I think that a good way to continue their story, or like at least see this again, is I would love to see them as like a cameo in the background of, say, Book of Boba Fett would be interesting. Like if they were to do a Book of Boba Fett two, and then maybe have them playing in like a cantina in the background, Ooh, that would be that so would cool. Be fun. That's kind of what I want to see. I want to see. I want to see like a cameo of them in a Star Wars thing. It can be a TV show. It can be a movie. Uh, or any kind of scene where this particular band is playing in the back of a scene. I want to see that. I think that'd be funny. And then you could just have Joseph, Joseph Gordon-Levitt as <laughs> playing the main character in the background <laughs> as an adult. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, oh, I'm an adult now. We're still rocking out. Like, you know, I just think that would be fun. Love it. Love it. There you go. Are we done? Yeah, we're done. So any any final, final thought? Uh, it was good. I liked it a lot better. What are we doing next week? Next week? Oh, God, I should probably look it up. No, I do think it is the twins. Uh, I'm 90. 90- eight percent sure it is the twins we like are professional podcasters yeah we we know exactly what we're doing we know next what week. we're doing but we mm-hmm. for sure know what we're doing next week um hold on is loading let's see yes next week is the twins um so stay tuned for that Yay! Plugables! Uh, as previously mentioned, you can find me when I am not here uh, over on For Light and Dice, a Star Wars TTRPG podcast set in the High Republic era. Uh, we just recorded two-thirds of our, our season finale the other day, um, and Bradley, when I tell you I was shook, I was shaken. Uh, I was emotionally devastated. There were there were peaks. There were valleys. I screamed at one point. Uh, it's not caught on the mic because I was muted uh, at the time, but it it did happen. Uh, so definitely be tuning into that if you are not currently tuning into that. Uh, now would be a good time to start marathoning it. And Bradley, for you, we are plugging Still Temptation Island. This is the shitty reality TV show that we're plugging. This is the reality. TV show that we are plugging, yes. <laughs> Contractually, uh, Bradley has to describe it in uh, at least neutral terms. Uh, I can describe it as a shitty reality TV show because they're not cutting me any checks. Uh, which, um, USA Network, if you do want to start cutting me checks for all the promotion I'm giving you, <laughs> I will start pretending to like reality TV. I am a corporate whore, and I, I, will, I will gladly spread praise for money. <laughs> Anyway, you can watch Temptation Island on USA Network as it's airing, and you can also watch on Peacock. It is now streaming. And that's it. I think we're done. Bradley, uh, run the socials. Bye. Thank you for listening to Gold Squadron Gaze. Did Charles fuck something up? Send us a message at goldsquadrongaze at gmail.com. 
Follow us on Twitter at Gold Squad Gaze. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Gold Squadron Gaze. Subscribe to us on YouTube at Gold Squadron Gaze, where we post the podcast as well as exclusive content. Please join us next week and every week for more of Gold Squadron Gaze. I'm not going to include this part. He's He plays Orca? I thought he plays the blue guy. I'm going to double check. I don't know his name. He's only listed as the voice of Orca. Who does the voice of the the blue guy? Not, I mean, not blue guy. Green looking dude. Is that not him? Uh, Josh Josh Brenner is the voice Weird. of Niku. The, Niku. the the green green guy on the post. Oh, uh, okay. I don't know yeah. why I thought it was him. Josh okay, Brenner hey. is who voices him. Okay. Well, I'm glad I'm cutting this out. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> I just didn't want to like keep going with Orca if we mess that up. So, okay, I'm glad we got that right. We didn't. I know my resistance. Please continue.